0: You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. In this Viva podcast, we will be talking about cybersecurity in the dental practice, specifically patch management and why it's so important. We are delighted to introduce Lauren Levine, President and CEO of The Digital Dentist. Dr. Levine is also a periodontist. Thanks, Lauren, for taking the time to join us and share your expertise with our listeners. My pleasure. Always happy to be here. So we're going to be talking about patch management today, and you did uh, refer to this term in other podcasts that you've done, and um, so an example would be my IT guy comes in, and he starts mentioning, I'm a dentist, and he's mentioning patch management to me. What what exactly is he talking about?
1: Yeah, so this is one of the challenges that we have in the IT field, is that terms that are so Common to us, you know, a lot of times uh, for people who aren't in the IT world, they scratch their heads and they say, "What in the world are you talking That's about?" Exactly. Um, if you actually, you know, once you know what the term means, it makes perfect sense. Um, and and one of the difficulties that, at least from a um, from a HIPAA standpoint, is that you don't see the words patch management in the security rule, although they say it in other ways. The, the, the premise behind patch management is that you, as a covered entity, which is basically all any dentist out there, have an obligation to try to keep patient information secure and private. One of the ways that you do that is by making sure that your software is up to date and current. All software, it doesn't make a difference, if it's Mac, PC, Linux, whatever, every software program out there, at this moment, has some type of security holes in it. The companies that produce this software are aware of those holes. They're constantly finding them or being told about them, finding solutions, and they end up releasing a patch for that. Most of us are familiar with that process because, you know, a lot of times when we got our practice management software and there was some bugs and then they sent us a a patch, you know, in version 6 is now 6.0. 0.01 and 6.02 you know these are all minor bug fixes Mm -hmm. same thing with all the software that's out there the where it becomes more difficult for dental offices is how do you go about doing that because in the past the only way to really effectively do it was to go to your IT company or do it yourself if you had you know an extra five to eight hours a week and on every computer List all the different programs that were out there uh, that were on that computer. and it's not you know we're talking Windows and Office and Adobe and QuickBooks and you know all the programs that you're running on your on your computers. Go out there, look for and search for any patches that might be out there. find them, download them, apply them. In a lot of cases, it requires you to reboot the computer. Uh, it's a, it's a very time consuming process.
0: Yeah. It sounds like they would have no time to do dentistry. That's all they'll be doing.
1: Or they'd be paying their IT company thousands of dollars a month to, to do it. Not right. So what patch management is, it's basically part of a whole class of software that we had discussed in a previous uh, podcast called managed services, uh, where the goal is to m- try to automate as much of that process. When we automate it, it finds patches that we maybe are limited in, on our ability to find. It does it much more efficiently. It can be happening after hours so that it doesn't affect uh, the day-to-day running of the practice. Uh, but the whole idea is to make sure that you have the latest software on there. Now, in some cases, you can't. You know, back in 2014, there was a whole big thing about uh, Windows XP, that in April of 2014, people, all the IT companies were saying, you know, if you have XP on your computers, you're no longer HIPAA compliant. Well, yes and no. There was nothing in the HIPAA rules that says you can't use Windows XP. What HIPAA says, and we talked about this a lot in a previous podcast, is that you need to do a risk assessment. And if you do a risk assessment, one of the things it's going to show to you is that you're running a operating system, which was Windows XP after April 2014, that is no longer being supported or patched. Right. So if a patch doesn't exist, how can you possibly patch the system and and be current? And these
0: these malwares look for older operating systems that they know are are no longer supported, and they're vulnerable. Correct.
1: Correct. That's why, you know, it's such a big deal from this patch management standpoint that you keep current uh, that you can't run. And, And again, it's so while HIPAA doesn't specifically say, no, you can't run XP. If there's a roundabout when you actually go through the process to say, well, I really still can't run XP because I have vulnerabilities. I have an operating system that has known vulnerabilities that I have no way of mitigating, no matter how much antivirus software i put on there or firewalls or whatever i still have an unpatched operating system and if i get audited that is absolutely be one of the things that an auditor looks at so that's where patch management comes in is that it gets you current with all that stuff
0: right right so i mean you kind of talked to my next question was why is patch management so important but i think you kind of covered that unless you want to hit on that a little further before my next question
1: yeah it's as i said it's It's a HIPAA law. There's no way around it. As I said, they don't use the actual word patch management, uh, but there's other terms in there. We had talked in a previous uh, podcast about the need for the risk assessment, and we talked about NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technology. And NIST had a document that explained how to do a risk assessment. It was document 800-30. Well, NIST has a similar document for patch management. It's called the Guide to Enterprise Patch Management Technologies, which is document 800-40. I think they're on the third or fourth revision by now. Uh, But that goes through the whole process. And, again, your goal as a covered entity when it comes to HIPAA compliance is to do everything reasonable and appropriate to try to protect the data and to protect yourself should you ever get audited. And I know as a fact that if an auditor shows up at your office, they are going to want to see what have you been doing from a patch management standpoint to keep your systems current. And that's, again, one of the challenges of HIPAA. It's not so much that you have to follow the rules and regulations, which you do, but they seem to be just as concerned that you've documented all that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of like, well, if if you don't, if it's not documented, then you didn't do it. As far as they're concerned. So, you got to make sure you have all that stuff. And again, again, if you're using a patch management software, all that's documented because it's going to tell you exactly which patches were applied, when, when the computer was rebuilt. All that stuff is, is part of the database. So, it's very easy to pull it up to establish that, yes, we have been patching our systems and keeping current.
0: Yeah, that's one thing great about computers is that everything is logged. So, if you need to go back and verify stuff that you've done, you just go back there and look at the logs. And that's you don't have to worry about keeping notes on that so when i did a little research on patch management and it mentioned something that patch management is addressable what do they mean by that it's
1: it's something that i think is a lot it can be confusing to a lot of people and you know even people who lecture on on hipaa compliance in my mind sometimes don't get this right there are basically two types of HIPAA laws. There are required laws and there are addressable laws. The required part's easy. That means you got to do it. No ifs, ands, or buts. So, you know, I like the required ones because it it, it removes a lot of the ambiguity. Mm -hmm. Because HIPAA was at least, when when HIPAA was developed, the people who framed it said, listen, we understand that there's different organizations. They're going to have different needs, different ways of doing things we need to put in some ambiguity to it. We need to have some wiggle room for people to be able to decide what's best for them. Those are what are called the addressable rules. And the basic definition of addressable is that if it is reasonable and appropriate, you must do it. If it is not reasonable and appropriate, come up with some reasonable alternative. And if no alternative exists, document that. Mm-hmm. the uh, where i differ from some of the speakers i've heard out there is that some of them are saying well this is your get out of jail free card as long as you don't think it's reasonable and appropriate and as long as you document it you're off the hook and it all comes back to that term reasonable and appropriate because that is a decision that you get to make as the covered entity that decision is yours and yours alone Until the day that the auditor shows up and then you've got to be able to justify why you feel something is reasonable or appropriate or not. You know, when we on our previous podcast, we had talked about encryption. Encryption is also addressable. Uh, no practice in the right mind wouldn't encrypt their data. It's just, it's common sense that this is what you need to do. And it's hard to make the argument against reasonable and appropriate when the encryption software is built into your so, into your operating system for free. Everyone that had Server 2008 or 2012, 2016, they've already got it. Patch management usually has some costs associated with it, so you could, you know, try to make the argument well, gee, I couldn't afford this, but, you know, again, when I look at the cost of going HIPAA compliant, you always have to balance that against the cost of going through an audit the fines and penalties, and in almost every case, whatever you spend on the efforts to get compliant are pennies on the dollar versus what you'd be paying in, in fines and penalties if you get nailed. So for that reason alone, um, I don't think that addressable really means don't do it. It means do your best to to, to handle this, come up with an alternatives if something about it is not really reasonable for your office, but don't just blow it off and say well we don't think that it's reasonable so we're not going to do it.
0: Yeah, and and ultimately all these rules or best practices about cybersecurity you know are designed to protect the dental practice from being shut down. I mean if you have a breach of your information or your computer has malware on it or whatever through some software like you mentioned QuickBooks or Adobe, you're you're out of business until it's until you can get it cleared up. So The price to pay up front to protect that seems to me uh, small compared to what the possibilities are.
1: Well, it can get worse because if you are ever audited, if you suffer a breach, you will be audited. And there's a lot of other things that can cause a HIPAA audit. Um, In our experience, the typical HIPAA audit lasts between three and a half and five days. Hmm. So, you know, forget about the fact that we were down for a day because we got a virus and we couldn't function. Think about not being able to schedule any patients for a week uh, and having the, the HIPAA auditors in there you know wishing probably wishing you're dead after <laughs> they get through with you uh, yeah. it's not a, a fun process to go through from what we've heard and we've you know participated with for some of our clients and it it's not enjoyable, so we want to try to minimize the, the damage for for going through something like that
0: yeah no I, it sounds like a nightmare experience, worse than an IRS audit I think um, so how do how does one go about? setting up a patch management system on the, for their practice so you know this is it's never my my goal to try to be self-serving here but
1: i really think that unless an office really knows what they're doing you're best to talk to an it provider or someone that that handles this uh, on a daily basis you know i use the term uh, managed services so you know whether you're working with us or another it company that's the term you would want to use do you guys offer managed services uh managed services can cover a lot of different things uh for example oftentimes it has uh alerting uh, we, they're called rmm remote monitoring and, and, and management so that we know when there's a problem ahead of time if a hard drive is corrupted or if it's getting full if there's a virus we get an alert sent to us um, these managed services programs can also do basic maintenance on your computers they can clean out temporary internet files and defragment the hard drive. There's no HIPAA law that says you have to do maintenance. There's no law that says you have to be alerted. Uh, but that managed surface software, the key, at least from a HIPAA standpoint, is that it also provides that patch management. So unless, unless you've got a lot of free time on your hands that you want to go out there and that you can even identify all the software programs on your computer, which isn't easy for, for most people who aren't IT savvy, uh, and then know where to find all the patches and how to apply the patches, and you know, make sure that everything's current. And to document all that, you, you're probably better off investing in an IT company to help you with it. We've seen prices, you know, they're all over the place, as with anything. You know, if 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 you budget about 150 to 200 dollars a month, you won't be surprised when you talk to the IT company that that's what they quote you. That that's pretty standard for, out there in, in the IT world.
0: And what does that fee cover? not just the patch management, right? It covers more The
1: patch management, the alerts, the remote access. Like for example, the the, the software that we use for patch management is the same software that we use to remotely log into our, onto our clients' computers. Uh, you know, I'm based in Southern California. 85% of my clients are outside of California. Most sure. of them are on the East coast or Midwest. There's no way that we can effectively you know, do everything that needs to be done by having local people. Now, there are times where we do need local people and we've got a huge network of people that we can get someone out there within an hour or two if we need to. But the vast majority of things that we do for our clients can be done remotely. Where we just log onto the computer. We use that same software for the remote access. We use that same software to send us alerts Mm-hmm. Uh, we use that same software to do basic maintenance and to reboot the computers and to take restore points and you know all that type of stuff. That's all included in that managed services software. And, of course, we monitor it. It's, it's one thing to have software that says, hey, there's a problem or, hey, we're doing this. Uh, it's another thing that someone on our end has to actually look at those alerts and address them one way or the other. Now, some of them are self-resolved. You know, uh, one of the alerts we get, probably the most common alert we get is that, the CPU was running at close to 100%. Well, we see that a lot of people have multiple programs running or they're in the process of doing something or, you know, something happened with a, a, one of the software programs. And by the time we get to it, which can be 15 minutes later or if it happened overnight, it's not until first thing in the morning, uh, by then it's already resolved. So, but you still, you know, wh- whoever you are getting those managed services from, where they quote you a monthly fee, it should also include any of the time that they spend to actually address whatever issues come up during that monitoring.
0: Mm-hmm. So your your company, which you can find for, the, for our listeners, could find information at thedigitaldentist.com. Your company provides like kind of an umbrella service. If, if I'm a dental office and I say, listen, there's a lot of stuff going on here. There's patch management. You know, there's HIPAA compliance. There's HIPAA backup system. There's malware and ransomware. Do you have something that just takes care of everything and something else that's going to come up that I don't even know about? Is there some program that you provide the office that they have total peace of mind knowing that their cybersecurity and everything digital is under control in their practice?
1: Yeah, so we, we, we do have a suite. We call it our practice ByteGuard suite. You know, bite, Byte B Y T E because what do we get, it's, you know, it's a play on words. Um, that does everything, and I would say we probably have I don't know sixty or seventy of our clients that are on that. We do have a number of clients who come to us and say, "Listen, you know, I know I need to get compliant. I, I, I realize you have a lot of services that we currently don't have in place, but I've got someone handling my IT day to day, or you know, I am using the same backup software or system that you guys are, are currently using, or you know, the uh, the encrypted email system that uh, that we have seems to be HIPAA compliant. We don't need the one that you guys are offering. Right. And in those cases, we customize it. We say, listen. That's fine. Every service that we do, uh, we can we can do it individually. Uh, we do have, you know, for example, a lot of new practices where maybe that the budget's a little more limited. Will come to us and say, "Listen, I know I need all these things. What are the two or three things that I, I really should do right from the get-go uh, that you know are critical that I need to have in place?" And then when my practice is doing better in six months, a year, whatever, I want to come back and revisit the other things. Uh, we'll always customize it to whatever a client wants. Every single service that we do for our clients has a HIPAA law associated with it. Mm -hmm. So we I would never sit down with somebody and say, listen, don't worry about this or that because it's not important. Because the fact is, is if you don't have that in place and a HIPAA auditor shows up and they're looking for it, uh, you're going to get you're going to get dinged. Uh, But we do know that there's certain things that are more important than others, you know, doing that risk assessment and having a management plan in place and having a good backup and encryption. You know, there's there's certain key things that you obviously want to have in place. But, you know, when someone contacts me, one of the first things that we always will recommend, we call it a tech audit where, with their permission, we log onto their computers, we gather data, we see how their network is set up. Uh, we ask them some questions, you know, how are you backing up? When's the last time you did a risk assessment? You know, gather the data that we need. It's usually not a long process, takes about 20 or 30 minutes. We never charge for that time. It's it's completely free. And then I will sit down afterwards with the dentist or the office manager or both and go over our findings and say, hey, here's the things that we found and here's how we can help and here's what it'll cost and here's the different packages, here's what the individual things cost. And at the at the end of the day, we can't Put a gun to your head. All we can do is, is advise and, and give recommendations, and uh, most of our clients usually will come back to us and say, okay, yeah, we understand we need to do this, and it's not really optional like it. maybe it was five, ten years ago, so uh, we go from there. But
0: yeah, and every think, office is unique. Yeah, and I think um, that approach is, is exactly the kind of approach that I would want from my office if someone came in and presented me with these kinds of options i i I don't want someone to say you have to have this you need that someone very forceful on selling all these services um but your your experience as a dentist as a periodontist and understanding a dental practice certainly helps and separates you from uh, a more generic it company that is not familiar with the dental industry so i think that's a big plus um, yeah, I'd like to think so. I listen. I
1: I walk the walk. I talk the talk. I sat chairside, you know, for over ten years, and I know what dentists go through. I know how critical it is to have their systems functioning. You know, if they're if they can't take X-rays, if they can't get pull up their practice management software, they're dead in the water. I want people to be educated. I want them to know what they need to be aware of and how we can help. Uh, if we're the right fit, great. If not, you know, at least they they. Walked away with more information than they had before they called me.
0: Yeah, I think you should teach some of the uh, car salesmen in our neighborhood uh, <laughs> how to how to be uh, pleasant to people when they come in to look for a car. I mean, you're literally, literally assaulted as soon as you walk into the showroom,
1: and it's yeah, like I uh, uh, yeah, I haven't walked into a showroom in a decade or two. I, I found you. a I found a
0: guy who's a wholesaler, and uh, that's who I've used. <laughs> good the last good review. for you. To, uh, send, me, send me send me yeah, send me his email. I think I'll contact him when I need another car. All right, um, again. Dr. Levine, you've been fantastic. Um, Our listeners have appreciated your previous podcasts, and they continue to listen to them, so we're really excited. and You've covered a lot of material in the the last few series that you've done. We hope our listeners listen to them all, and uh, if you need to get more information, you can always go to thedigitaldentist.com. Dr. Lauren Levine, so thanks again for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.